Hello and welcome to the Stallings Medicine Seminar. My seminars are about the life sciences industry, pharma, medtech, diagnostics, where I've worked, researched and written for about 40 years now. I focus on the evolution of business models and strategy. And my aim is to tell you something that you find relevant and useful, but also that you've not heard before. So if I manage to do that, then please share with your colleagues on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to see the published article that goes with the seminar, or if you'd like to know more about my research generally, then please get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. I recently attended an online seminar about what the year ahead held for our industry. There were some interesting speakers who made some valuable, if obvious, points. But the event was marred by jargon and cliché. In particular, the word disruptive was applied to almost any development, however trivial. This hyperbole makes it harder to accurately assess the likelihood of genuine industry disruption. And this is significant because, contrary to all the hype, new research suggests that innovation may be becoming less, not more, disruptive. So stick with me while I get to the uh, practical implications of this via the science. In earlier seminars, I've talked about how the innovation we get in life sciences is not the product of a big machine where we pour money in at one end and basic science in, and then inventions pop out the other. It's much more realistic to understand innovation as an emergent property of a complex adaptive system. In other words, the value, cost, and disruptiveness of new medicines and new medical technologies is the result of innumerable and unpredictable interactions between the different inhabitants of the uh, innovation ecosystem. This means that rather than thinking of life science innovation as the output of a machine, it's more accurate to think of it as the fruit of a garden. Now this is more than just an academic distinction. It has important practical implications, as a recent paper in Nature reveals. This research tries to understand the well-documented decline of research productivity in pharmaceuticals, semiconductors, and some other fields. And it does that by studying how much papers and patents break with the past, which is a sort of proxy measure of how disruptive or radical innovation is. It's a good piece of research. It uses data from 45 million papers and almost 4 million patents over six decades. And in that research, they find a gradual decline in disruptiveness of innovation. Now, this is a remarkable finding, all the more so because it contrasts with this popular view that we're living in an age of great disruption. But even more interesting is the paper's explanation of this decline. According to the researchers, it seems to be caused by increasing narrowness in the use of prior knowledge. So now, if you work as a, a scientist or with them, you'll recognise this. It's a, um, this kind of specialisation is a malaise of modern research. As one of my colleagues puts it, we learn more and more about less and less until we know everything about nothing. The authors end their abstract by, by suggesting that slowing rates of disruption may reflect a fundamental shift in the nature of science and technology. In other words, R&D may be evolving to be less innovative, not more. Now, just in case the real-world implications of this work for companies in the life sciences industry aren't obvious, let me draw them out. As different specialist fields become more advanced, they become narrower. This makes it harder to synthesize knowledge within a discipline, let alone between disciplines. And since innovation, unlike basic research, depends on synthesizing different streams of new knowledge, 
then innovation is likely to become more incremental and less disruptive. Now, to someone like me who has studied the evolution of other once advanced industries, like chemicals, for example, this begins to look like the life sciences industry is heading towards a largely commoditized and low margin future. If that less innovative, less profitable future scares far-sighted leaders in the industry, it's less clear how they should respond. Because the natural limitations of humans inclined our scientists towards becoming narrower in order to become more specialised. To put it another way, making our specialists more generalist doesn't seem feasible. If there's an answer, it might lie in what I call T-shaped crosstalk. Crosstalk is the constructive discussion across scientific and functional boundaries. T-shaped refers to the skills needed to hold such conversations, which are a combination of uh, um, shallow, broad knowledge and uh, across many areas and, and deep, uh, narrow knowledge in one chosen area. The challenge is to find, train and keep those rare people who are able to do this, who are able to develop and apply T-shaped skills and to therefore to function as the R&D's um, connector to to steal the neurologist's term for those connections in the brain. Darwinian evolution prepares us to expect paradoxes, such as the exquisite adaptation of some species that confines them to a niche, or the prolific breeding of others that destroys the habitat. And it looks like the rapid advance of life sciences may be presenting another paradox, that advanced specialists can only communicate narrowly and so only innovate incrementally. Resolving this paradox, perhaps by developing T-shaped cross-talkers, is another challenge facing the leaders of the life sciences industry. Thanks for joining this seminar. If you found it worth your time, then please like, subscribe, share with your colleagues and uh, post it on LinkedIn. If you'd like to read the supporting article, which is longer and has more detail, then please get in touch. If you'd like to browse the 300 articles, papers and books I've written about our industry, then please take a look at my website. And if you'd like to know uh, more about my research and how it might help your firm's competitive capabilities, then let's set up a virtual cup of tea. I'd love to hear from you.